the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Sideline Sanity with me, Michelle Tafoya, and please subscribe. We'd love to have you. I met a subscriber at the dog park the other day. I was thrilled. We'd love to have you join the group. Today, we're going to talk about a couple things. One that has me just shaking my head and outraged because people think we're really stupid. People think you're really stupid, and they don't think you can handle stuff. And I think you can. So we'll get into that. It has to do with Agatha Christie and her fabulous novels. I mean, iconic novels. The other one has to do with another biological man competing as a woman in a bike race. And yes, winning the whole thing. And the outrage around that. And what are we going to do about this? Because I think it's unfair. And you know what? It's not that I'm a female, uh, white woman, however you want to describe me, by the way, I'm Hispanic, so I'm not really white, even though I kind of look white. It's not that that has me outraged. It's the fairness of this. And I will describe to you a conversation that I had in the last 24 hours with a gay man whose take on all of this may really surprise you. That's next. For nearly three decades, she's reported the action from the sidelines. She started very young. She's covered the NBA, NFL, Olympics, and the college football and basketball national championships. And now, during these insane times in our world, Michelle Tafoya thinks we need a serious dose of sanity. This is Sideline Sanity with your host, one of the sanest people on planet Earth, Michelle Tafoya. So I'm going to read to you this article about a transgender woman finishing in first place at the New York City at a New York City cycling event, sparking outrage, according to the headline. Be careful when you read headlines. You know, you you see words like outrage. Well, in this case, it probably did spark outrage, but always read a little deeper. And I'm going to help you do that today with this. I'm I'm wondering what, what it is going to take to wake people up to the unfairness of this kind of thing. A transgender female. Now, keep in mind, because people still ask me this. When you're a transgender female, does that mean you're a male who now identifies as a female? Yes. So a transgender male is a biological female who now identifies as a male. And a transgender female is a someone born male who now identifies as a female. So a transgender female, that is a former male, appeared to finish in first place at a New York City cycling event. This was a few days ago. A social media post from NYC Cycling News showed Tiffany Thomas standing in between two biological females as the first place winner of Randall's Island um, Criteriums. I guess that's what it's called. That's the name of the bike race. Thomas is a transgender woman who rides for L.A. Sweat. So these cycling teams have emerged and, you know, you ride for a team. This Tiffany Thomas rides for L.A. Sweat. Tiffany Thomas's bio states the following. Tiffany is a scientist by day, athlete by night. 
Her favorite organ are the blood cells. I didn't think blood cells were an organ. I thought the brain, the heart, the liver, I thought those were organs. But, okay, I guess if a man can be a woman, then a blood cell can be an organ. You will never see anyone with a bigger smile than when she sees a beautiful electron microscopy Micro microscopy picture of a red cell. She has never been a barbell, a bike, or a dog that she doesn't like. She is so incredibly excited to race and represent the LA sweat team this year. It appeared to be the first time Thomas has finished in first place this year. Thomas has finished in first place 16 total times in her career, according to her road results page. And on that page, Thomas is listed in category one, which is considered an elite level under USA Cycling rules. USA Cycling follows the Union Cycliste International rules. Boy, you know what? My mom would be so ashamed. Regarding transgender athletes at the elite level of competition. USA Cycling points out the main points on its website. And on and on and on. Those who transition from female to male are eligible to compete in the male category upon providing a written and signed declaration acceptable to the UCI medical manager. It is the responsibility of athletes to be aware of current WADA USADA policies and to file for appropriate therapeutic use exemptions, the first rule states. Those who transition from male to female are eligible to, eligible to compete in the female category under the following conditions. The athlete has declared that their gender identity is female. That's a pretty easy criteria. The athlete must demonstrate that their total testosterone level in serum has been below 2.5 whatever per liters for a period of at least 24 months. The athlete's total testosterone level in serum must remain at that level throughout the period of desired eligibility to compete in the female category. Okay, those are the criteria. It has to do with testosterone and the fact that you say you're identifying as a woman. What about all the years before that 24 months of low testosterone that you've been building up muscle as a male, which happens differently than it would happen for a female? That's science. That is science. Uh, <laughs> to quote the great Don Lemon, look it up on Google. It is science. See, here's what ticks me off about this. Does this transgender woman, have they ever had to compete while menstruating? I'm sorry to bring up an uncomfortable topic, but it's real. Oh, they haven't? Oh, that's right. They don't have a cycle. That's right. Okay. So they haven't had to work around that, the bloating, the cramps, the change in levels of, you know, hormones. All right. Have they ever had to factor in the biomechanics of their breast size? Probably not. Women have to do that. And women come in all shapes and sizes and we compete differently based on our biomechanics. But we're all competing as women because we fought for many, 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 many years to have women compete in the first place. What about bone density? Is it different for males and females? I think it is. I think so. So have these biological men had to compete worrying about their bone density level or the shape of their hips or anything else that is different? So you just got to show up and say, hey, I now identify as a woman and I've kept my testosterone, my testosterone levels at, at this number. Are you, so I told you I would tell you about this friend of mine who is gay. We had a long conversation about this. 
He said he knew he was gay from the age of six. And he said, you know, we fought and won a lot of tough battles for gay people. We get to get married now legally. You know, there aren't these issues of being discriminated against. He said, I, I have a problem with this trans movement hopping on our backs and creating their own problems and lumping them into the progress that we've made. We've made progress. He says, as a gay man in America, I don't feel like I have any rules against me anymore. And he said, but I don't know anyone, male or female, gay or straight, who thinks it's fair for a biological man to compete against women. And I agree. I don't know anyone. Uh, these rules are making it possible. Now, you rarely, rarely see women say, you know what? I think I'll go compete against the men. Their success rate would be very low because biologically, men are different. They have different constraints. They have different muscles. They have a different skeletal framework. We are different. And just to say that you feel like a woman doesn't make you a woman. It doesn't. You don't have a uterus. You don't have boobs. You don't have a period. So you can keep your testosterone level low and you can feel like you want to live your life as a woman. Go do that. And by the way, when you come back at people like me and say, oh, you're banning us from competing. No. We're saying it's not fair for you to compete against biological women who fought really, really hard to have their own place in the world, the WNBA, all of women's sports, Title IX. And now you want to come in and say you deserve to compete against them? I just think it's wrong. It, I, I think it's so, it's so obviously unfair that I think that people try to find ways to make it look fair or make it look like all of us are transphobic. Not at all. And you can keep yelling that at me and you can keep calling me names. I don't care. It, it doesn't bother me. I don't care. It, it doesn't have to do with phobia of anything. It has to do with fairness, plain and simple. And anyone who has a daughter who's competing in sports and they might lose a spot on a team, on the podium, on the Olympic team, whatever, because a biological man decides he wants to compete as a woman? Think about that. Now, I know there are a lot of parents out there who have trans kids and they want them to be treated with respect and they want them to be able to compete. I agree. I agree. But let's find a fair way for that to happen. Let's find a fair way for that to happen. It's really, really interesting that you see a lot of the gay and lesbian um, and bisexual, that LGB movement trying to separate itself from the trans movement lately, only because they want di very different things, very different things. And th as this gentleman, my friend for many years told me, there's a lot that's been achieved for the gay community. And he said, I want to celebrate that. And I want to live my life and you go live your life, but please don't group your issues in with mine. He believes it's a fringe movement. We'll see. It certainly has accelerated lately at a pace that I don't think anyone saw could have foreseen, right? 
And you got to look at the whole lockdowns and people on social media. There are, there are certainly, there are reasons for this. And by the way, if it makes you feel special to be something different, that's great. But life isn't about one person. It's not about me. It's not about you. It's about doing the right things every day and not hurting other people. And sometimes when you impose some of your beliefs and shove them down the throats of other people, expecting them to buy them hook, line, and sinker because you believe you're a victim and therefore have some sort of higher status in society, that's not fair and that's not right. And that's not good for the greater, you know, the greater whole, the sum of all of us. Uh, it just, it's so patently unfair and so obviously unfair. It's sitting there staring us right in the face. And yet, I don't know why we can't acknowledge it, but we can't. We must. Riley Gaines called out ESPN this weekend for Women's History Month celebrating Leah Thomas, the male, biological male, transgender swimmer, whom the NCAA allowed to swim against women. And he was a top she, and I don't mean any disrespect, and don't scream at me for misgendering. It's not the end of the world. I've been misgendered. You ever, like, call uh, a hotel operator and they go, yes, Mr. Tafoya, may I help you? Well, it's miss. Now, uh, so what? So what? I have a deep voice. So what? So calm down. The thing about Leah Thomas is it wasn't fair. The NCAA knew deep down it wasn't fair, and they let it happen. And Leah Thomas stole some some precious podium space from other people. And I think that's just flat out wrong. So Riley Gaines called out ESPN for celebrating Leah Thomas in their Women's History Month celebration. Oh, boy. All right. Here's some women's history for you. I am 58 years old. Uh, people tell me I look younger than that, and I am always very flattered, but it, you know, it doesn't, it's not, it's not just a natural thing. I like to point out that my skincare regimen has a great deal to do with it, and I use Genucel, G-E-N-U-C-E-L, and I love it. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And the reason that I love it is it was developed by pharmacists and the ingredients are so high quality. It's antioxidant-based skincare. 
Genucel. And they smooth out the fine lines and wrinkles and prevent more from, from happening. So one of my favorites is the deep firming serum with stem cell technology. So it's this little serum. You, you just have to use a couple drops, smooth it onto your skin after you've cleansed your skin and you will feel your face and your skin all around your neck. It just tone and plump up like it's five years younger and then 10 years. And who knows how far you can go. It's one of my favorites. First, I use the um, deep sea cleanser, which has no soap in it, which leaves my face feeling so fresh and clean that anything I put on afterward just soaks right in beautifully. So right now you can save over 70% off Genucel's most popular package just in time for the warm spring weather. It features Genucel's ultra retinol. And you might think retinol, ooh, that's scary. No, this is really a gentle alternative, safe on your skin in the summer months. And Genucel's dark spot corrector to reduce the appearance of dark marks and sunspots from those long summer days. We all know what those look like. Plus, you still get Genucel's classic under eye bags therapy for those annoying little puffy eye bags that we wake up with. And with immediate effects, you can see results in as little as 12 hours guaranteed or your money back. So don't wait. Visit genucel.com slash Michelle. And remember, it's Michelle with one L, just like genucel with one L. G-E-N-U-C-E-L.com slash Michelle, Michelle to save over 70% off their most popular package. Plus, every order subscription includes a luxury gift box with two free springtime essentials. That's two free gifts plus free concierge shipping for a limited time. Go to genucel.com slash Michelle with one L. That's G-E-N. UCEL.com slash Michelle. You know, they're trying to, speaking of updating and making look young, they're trying to update something that doesn't need updating, and that is Agatha Christie books. We've talked on this podcast before about how certain books, uh, they go through and they change the language. They did this to Roald Dahl's books recently. And, and finally they, enough pressure was put on the publisher that they said, okay, we're going to publish both the original text and this new updated, less offensive text. Can I just tell you something? I think you're mature enough to read anything and decide for yourself if you want to be offended. And I say want to be offended because it is your choice. Please don't ever forget that. You get to decide whether or not you're going to be offended by something. Like, I don't get offended when people call me Mr. Tafoya on the phone. I don't. So, that and that's my choice. Several novels by Agatha Christie. And if you don't know that name, shame on you. Shame on your English teachers. Agatha Christie is a fabulous mystery writer. You've seen a number of her stories made for major motion films, made into major motion films like uh, Murder on the Orient Express. There are so many. But Agatha Christie is one of the great mystery writers of all time. And several novels that she has written have become the most recent works of literature to be updated to remove racist references and language that may be seen as offensive to modern day readers. So they're going to go in without Agatha Christie's permission and rewrite some of her stuff so that you don't get offended. Take that in for a minute. Let's say you're writing something and in 50 years, a hundred years from now, someone decides, you know, I really don't like the way this was written. I think we should change it because I think people here in, you know, 2150 can't handle it. 
It's just too offensive. Now, see, one of the beautiful things about reading period pieces is that you take in the language, the verbiage, the tone of the times. And if you want to be offended by that, that's on you and that's up to you. And you, you can choose that. That's fine. Go live your life. But is it fair to Agatha Christie to go rewrite her stuff? And the, the motivation behind this is that you can't handle it as a modern day reader. So HarperCollins has edited and in some cases scrapped entire passages from new editions of Christie's beloved detective novels, Poirot and Miss Marple. This is according to the Telegraph. New editions scrape references to ethnicity, such as describing a character as black, Jewish, or Oriental. Now understand that Oriental was once a term described to use someone of Asian descent, Chinese descent. It was, you know, there's a, there's a place in the world called Asia. And uh, at one time, the Orient, thus murder on the Orient Express. And so they were described as Oriental. And that's what Agatha Christie decided she wanted to use to describe these people. A female character's torso that was once described as being made of, quote, black marble and a judge's, quote, Indian temper were also cut, as were references to gypsy, gypsies and natives. Okay, so even though gypsies actually existed and maybe still do, we can't reference them. They absolutely do. Say that again, John Berg? They absolutely still exist. They're all over Europe. I've seen gypsies in person. Okay. See, that's John Berg. He's kind of like my Google app sitting in the studio there, my producer. So the gypsies. <laughs> yeah, the, the Roma people are gypsies. There's, they're all over Europe. There's entire gypsy communities all over Europe. Okay, so they still exist. And the references to them are being stripped out of Agatha Christie's books, as are natives. Which is interesting because, oh, oh I wonder if they're going to replace that with indigenous peoples. Because I thought there was a na Now, John, you know a little bit about the Native American community as well. So try. is it offensive to be called a native? I mean, maybe no. to some, is it to some? <laughs> well, there's differing opinions on all of this, but that's what, that's what becomes obvious is that anybody can find some reason not to like this thing or that thing, but uh, anyone. And you'd, you'd be surprised what some people uh, actually prefer both black folks, native folks. I mean, there's a lot of them are just like, just call me black. Don't call me African-American. There's native right. folks who call themselves Indian or, 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 or something else. They have their own, uh, way of identifying. I don't know. Getting hung up on stuff like that is just looking getting for something hung to up on about. stuff like this is just stupid. And John just said it perfectly. Anyone can find anything to be offended by. I I'm going to find something just to prove it to you. So the N word has also been completely removed from the revised editions in both Christie's prose and in the dialogue spoken by her characters. So in other words, you can drop the N-word in rap all you want, but if her characters are talking to one another and use it, it's being scrapped. I, you know, I, I hate that word. I absolutely abhor that word. So, um, it, but when I hear it in rap, am I offended by it? Yeah, I, I don't spend a lot of time thinking about that. But to me, it's like Agatha Christie wrote these books at a time when that word was used. Now, I just wonder what the motivation is here. Is it just to whitewash her books? Is it just to cleanse them of their sins? Is it to make them more palatable to readers? 
is it a way to to boost sales of these old books by saying, guess what? We've got the new and improved versions of these books that we think will be less offensive to you. So buy, buy, buy. And I would say buy the originals. Buy them the way Agatha Christie intended. And then if you want to go mark it up with your own highlighter or pen or pencil and say, that was a poor choice of words, that's up to you. But these were her words. This is what bothers me. It's like deciding that, you know, a bunch of sculptures showed too much of uh, male genitalia. We better go sand that off of these sculptures. Really? You're going to do that? I mean, isn't that somewhat similar? You know, oh, we can't have women topless in these sculptures or paintings. Cover them up. Really? That was art of that time. And Agatha Christie's books are art of her time. Let me continue. The changes come after several several classic works of literature, including children's books by Roald Dahl, which I mentioned earlier, and Ian Fleming's James Bond novels have recently been cleansed by sensitivity readers. HarperCollins also enlisted the help of sensitivity readers to produce new editions of the entire Miss Marple series and select Poirot novels which were written between 1920 and 1976, the year of Christie's death. Some of the reworked editions were released in 2020, though HarperCollins plans to release more in the future. The edited books were written between 1920 and 1976. And so we're going to take her books and cleanse them for sensitivity. You better mark those books. They better be labeled that they've been edited by a publisher that they were not written this way by the author. If Agatha Christie were alive today, she might approve of this. We don't know. What we do know, what we have in front of us, are books that she wrote over the course of 56 years and never revised on her own. So who are we to do this after she's died? You better keep the originals available as well. I mean, this is what's absurd about this. Okay. Um, much of Christie's own narration, including the inner monologues of Miss Jean Marple or Hercule Poirot, my French is not very good, but you get the idea, has been altered. And sections of dialogue that depict unsympathetic characters have been cut in the reworked versions. So they're unsympathetic characters to begin with, but because she used offensive adjectives, descriptives, to, to, to flesh out those characters, they're just removing it because you can't handle it. That's what they believe. You can't handle it. You can't go to that first page and say, when was this written? 1922? Oh, okay. Now that makes sense. You can't handle it. That's like saying Jane Austen's prose, which is so flowery and you really have to soak it in in order to understand it or Shakespeare which you almost need a Shakespearean dictionary. You do, I think, in order to read a lot of it. You're just going to rewrite that too? In old editions of the 1937 Poirot novel, Death on the Nile, great book, the character Miss Allerton complains about a group of children who, quote, come back and stare and stare, and their eyes are simply disgusting, and so are their noses, and I don't believe I really like children. Boy, that kind of describes a group of kids I used to know on my block. Snotty noses. Eyes look at me like, we don't like you. I mean, 
so that's, that's an example of something that you can't handle. Thought I'd read it to you anyway. I hope you're okay. If you need to take a moment, find a safe space, go ahead and hit pause, come back when you're ready. However, in the new editions, Mrs. Allerton simply states instead, they come back and stare and I, and stare. And I don't believe I really like children. So it takes out their eyes are simply disgusting and so are their noses. So in other words, Mrs. Allerton can't have an opinion about these children's eyes or noses, even though she doesn't tell you what it is about them that makes them disgusting. She's just disgusted by them. That's up to her. I don't have a beef with Mrs. Allerton, although I'm sure we probably wouldn't get along. But anyway, um, that's taken out. So you are okay. So that you can go on and have a lovely day. The new edition of the 1964 Miss Marple novel, A Caribbean Mystery, excludes old descriptions of a West Indian hotel worker who smiled with such lovely white teeth. Similar references to beautiful teeth were also scraped. If someone ever described me as having lovely white teeth or white teeth or beautiful teeth, I would be so stoked, but no one can because I don't really have beautiful teeth. My poor parents spent for the dentistry and the orthodontics, but I lost my retainer and all, you know. Anyway, teeth? Is this considered a racist thing that I don't know about? Because I'll be honest, I don't see that as a problem. Maybe it's something I don't know. I'm going to admit it right here. I'm ignorant of this, of something about teeth. In the same novel, an entire passage where a character cannot see a black woman in some bushes at night has been removed as well. So it's nighttime. There are bushes and the character can't see somebody. So let's get rid of it. Because it's nighttime and there are bushes but the woman happens to be black, so she can't see her. So Chris Rock the other day on his uh, Netflix special made a similar joke about not being able to see someone of dark skin color in the dark. So Chris Rock can do that, but Agatha Christie can't because she's not around to defend herself. Or maybe it's because Chris Rock is black and Agatha Christie is not. Is that what it is? She can't. Uh. It's not the first time Christie's works have been revised to appease modern audiences. Her 1939 novel, And Then There Were None, another great book, was published up until 1977 under a different title that included a racist term. I wasn't aware of that. Under a different title that included a racist term. I've got to figure out what that is. Ah, yeah. I This I understand. This I understand. I'm not even going to say the, the name. So let's see. And Then There Were None is a mystery novel by the English writer Agatha Christie, described by her as the most difficult of her books to write. It was first published in the United Kingdom by the Collins Crime Club as a book called 10 little blank after the children's counting rhyme and minstrel song, which serves as a major plot element. The U S edition was released in January, 1940 with the title. And then there were none taken from the last five words of the song. 
Success of American reprints and adaptations use that title. Though Pocket Books paperbacks use the title Ten Little Indians between 1964 and 1986. UK editions continue to use the original title until 1985. All right. Yeah. If you look it up and then there were none on Wikipedia, you will understand instantly why that name was changed. And that one I agree with. That one I agree with. Because again, I, it's a word that I find aberrant. Michelle. But yes. Why haven't these sensitivity writers gotten to Wikipedia? That's a great point. <laughs> Since, <laughs> I mean, they, need to, you, they need to clean up that Wikipedia page. They really got to clean up Wikipedia here. That I just I just read what you Did were you talking just look about. At that? Trigger warning for everybody: Don't Wikipedia anything ever, because there aren't any sensitivity tr- uh, writers there. They, they, there are no cleansers at Wikipedia, <laughs> John. There are no sensitivity cleansers, and they really need to get on it because. No, that's a that's look. I think there are some really obvious things in life. And I think then there are things that we, we have decided we have nothing better to do with ourselves and our leisure time or our productivity time, because there's an app for everything and a machine for everything. So we look for stuff to fix. And a lot of it doesn't need fixing. And language in particular is a place where people really want to start fixing. Just as an experiment, before I wrap up for the day, I'm going to go to um, a a random article here. Uh, Drunken mistake leads to embarrassing hospital visit. I'm doing this to make a point. A 47-year-old man was left in extreme pain and needed surgery after he inserted a water glass into his rectum. This is a real news story. Just want to let you know that. I'm, I'm going to wait. I'm so offended by this. I can't believe this is a news story. <laughs> Stop. Oh, the Nepalese man arrived at the emergency department admitting object had been inside him for three days. Okay. A Nepalese. I said that wrong. Why did they have to say he was Nepalese? Why? Why did they have to do that? I'm offended. Initially, the man said it happened by accident before revealing he had inserted the glass himself for sexual gratification while intoxicated, according to the Journal of Nepal Medical Center. Why are we interested in what's happening in Nepal with glasses in people's rectums? I I know it's a true story. I'm offended. I don't want to see this stuff ever published again. This is offensive. We have identified the man's nationality. We have identified that he was drunk, which... Why would you poison yourself with drink to begin with? I mean, this is uh, this is hideous. The man hadn't had a bowel movement in two. I don't want to know about people's bowel habits. Leave that out of the story. <laughs> but was able to pass wind, and he had no bleeding, but was in a lot of pain. The man said he had tried to remove the glass himself, but failed. After an x-ray was done, doctors tried to remove it, but couldn't get a grasp on the glass as it was inverted. Medical staff then performed an exploratory laparotomy, which is a surgery to open up the abdomen. At that point, they attempted to move the glass out by milking or squeezing the lower intestine. I don't know why I'm still reading this. (laughs) It's one of those stories that you're only going to (sighs) see... I don't know where, but 
my point is that I just opened a random story that was in front of me. Seriously, <laughs> it was at the top of the list. And I re I think the reason it was under their most read here and at the top of the list is fairly obvious. People are going, what the? But I think my point is that you can watch any commercial, any television show, read any book on the planet. And if you want to, depending on who you are or what your background is, you can find offense with it. You can, if you want to, and that's up to you. But see, the problem with this is that Agatha Christie, Roald Dahl, Ian Fleming, they wrote those stories in a period of time, which existed. Those things existed that period of time, those words, those settings, those phrases, they existed. And rather than try to go erase them from history, why don't we just let them be the way that the creators intended them to be? I'm talking about the creators of those works. Just like any art you may decide is offensive. Who are you to say, take it off the wall or cover it up or get rid of the male genitalia on that sculpture? If you don't want to look at it, here's my advice. Don't look at it. And if you only want to read the cleaned up version of Agatha Christie, then you're missing out on a lot of history. You're, you're missing out on the norms of that time in which she wrote the book. You're missing out on all the mistakes that we've made in society and that we're learning from. You're missing out on realizing how far we've come in language and in the way that we see people and humans. That's all. And if you don't think that the stuff today, that rap music, that any kind of music and film and writing today, if you don't think that's not going to face the same scrutiny 50, 75, 100 years from now, you're wrong. It will. And if you think that's okay, then maybe you want to join the Sensitivity Cleansing Society and get a, get a move on and start cleansing some of that stuff out. For the rest of you, have a little busier days, I would just say, don't read what you don't want to read. And if you are open-minded enough to read an, an Agatha Christie book circa 1926, read it understanding that times were different then, understanding that people were different then, that values and norms and morals were different then. But they were just as real to those people in that time frame as ours are to us now. So to try to clean up after them is basically erasing that they were ever here and ever thought and spoke the way that they did. And that's wrong. That's not free speech. That's not acceptance. That's not tolerance. It's not. This is called being too sensitive. Being someone who just wants things the way that you want them not the way that they are. Thanks for listening to Sideline Sanity. As always, be brave. You know, take a stand on whatever you think is important. And as always, do good in the little things. Smile at a stranger today. Be kind to the person who bags your groceries, whatever it is. Be nice to your boss, even if you don't like him or her or they. See you next time.
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.